0: Nuclear power. That's the focus of the latest deal between the U.S. and Australia. Nuclear-powered submarines, to be precise. Australia is set to get up to five from America and sooner than expected. But China isn't happy. Officials there slamming the news as a Cold War mentality. President Biden, meanwhile, says the deal will boost stability in the Indo-Pacific, adding this is just the start of many more projects and cooperation. What do you think about the agreement? Welcome to China In Focus, I'm Tiffany Meyer. Australia has reached a new agreement to buy nuclear-powered submarines from the U.S. It's part of a security pact between the United States, Australia, and Britain, and China isn't pleased about it. Here are the details.
1: The leaders of the U.S., the U.K., and Australia met in San Diego on Monday for talks on national security. The three countries formed a security pact known as AUKUS in 2021. Its goal is to counter the threat of the Chinese regime in the Indo-Pacific region.
2: Today, we're announcing the steps to carry out our first project under AUKUS and developing Australia's conventionally armed nuclear-powered submarine capacity.
1: Under the agreement, Australia is able to access U.S. nuclear-powered submarine technology. Nuclear submarines are stealthier and more capable than conventionally powered ones. Australia will buy up to five Virginia-class nuclear submarines from the U.S. They are worth around $3 billion each.
0: The AUKUS agreement we confirm here in San Diego
1: represents the biggest single investment in Australia's defense capability in all of our history, strengthening Australia's
0: national security and stability in our region.
1: The U.K. and Australia will also build new nuclear-powered submarines from a British design, with US technology and support. The first submarines are expected to be completed by the late 2030s. The submarines will carry conventional non-nuclear weapons.
2: AUKUS has one overriding objective, to enhance the stability of the Indo-Pacific amid rapidly shifting global dynamics. In this first project, this first project is only beginning. More partnerships, more potential, more peace and security in the region lies ahead.
1: During the meeting, UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak also pledged to boost the domestic defence budget. He said the UK will, for the first time, move the baseline commitment from 2% of the GDP to 2.5% of the GDP. That means over $6 billion in the next two years. This is how Sunak assesses the threats that AUKUS faces. But more
3: broadly about China, I think it's just clear that it represents a systemic challenge to us and the world order. It's a country with fundamentally different values to
1: ours, and its behavior over the past few years has been concerning. More authoritarian at home, more assertive overseas. The three leaders said in a joint statement that their countries have worked for decades to sustain peace, stability, and prosperity around the globe. And they say that Monday's deal will help them advance these goals.
0: The price tag on the submarines themselves is only the tip of the iceberg. The deal's funding goes far beyond that. It extends to building a submarine base and training skilled workers, including maintenance specialists. Total costs will soar as high as $250 billion U.S. dollars over the next three decades. But the move still won bipartisan support in Australia. Opposition leader Peter Dutton said he would back the submarine deal come hell or high water. An expert compared the investment to paying an insurance premium.
2: Given the much more turbulent and disturbed and challenging geostrategic circumstances we face today, it's, uh, it's a hike in the insurance premium, if you like, uh, for national security and, and the defense of Australia and its interests.
0: On the other hand, China said Tuesday that the US, UK, and Australia have gone further down a dangerous road. Taiwan is voicing confidence in its submarine program, too, with support from the U.K. Despite facing difficulties, Taiwan's defense ministers said that as of now, everything is going according to plan. For decades, Taiwan has been unable to buy conventional submarines from other countries. That's as those countries sought to avoid angering China. Despite that risk, the British government granted more than $200 million worth of export licenses to companies linked to submarine making. That number comes from the first nine months of 2022 and is more than the previous six years combined. In response, Beijing urged the UK to refrain from providing military support to Taiwan authorities. Tensions between Beijing and Taipei are at their highest point in decades. China sees the democratically-governed island as part of its territory and opposes Taiwan having any diplomatic relations with the West. The U.S. just laid out its biggest defense budget increase in years. That's to counter China. The Pentagon on Monday asked Congress for over $840 billion for 2024's defense budget. That's a 3% increase over 2023 and a whopping 13% increase over 2022. This follows on the heels of China's announcement that Beijing will increase its defense budget by 7.6% at $230 billion. U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin saying Monday that the budget would allow the Pentagon to invest in capabilities that will ensure we maintain a ready, lethal and combat-credible joint force with a laser focus on China noting the pacing challenge posed by the Chinese regime, as well as addressing the acute threat posed by Russia. Washington's budget would boost areas like missile and air defense, including a push into hypersonics. U.S. Deputy Secretary of Defense Kathleen Hicks adding that expanded budget would aid U.S. deterrence in the Indo-Pacific. She said, our greatest measure of success is to make sure the PRC leadership wakes up every day, considers the risks of aggression, and concludes today's not the day. PRC stands for the People's Republic of China, the Chinese regime's official name. On top of that, it seems the U.S. is changing the way it views warfare. The Pentagon recently published a report noting U.S. adversaries intend to win without fighting. The U.S. has historically viewed war through the lens of peace or all-out conflict. While for many countries, war is viewed on a continuum. The statement notes, China in particular has rapidly become more assertive. It is the only competitor capable of mounting a sustained challenge to a stable and open international system. It references a famous example, the 1999 book by two Chinese colonels called Unrestricted Warfare. It covers the idea of taking over another country without firing a single shot. Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Milley, writing in the statements forward, if the United States does not compete effectively against adversaries, it could lose without fighting. The Pentagon is set to test out this approach through a series of war games and experiments. Taiwan is showing off new models of its military drones, all of them produced on the island. Here's a closer look at what officials are saying about the technology.
1: Since the Russian-Ukrainian war started last February, drones have attracted more and more attention from the world and people.
0: Taiwan says its new domestically-made drones are key to its asymmetric warfare capability. That means keeping its forces agile, so they're better able to face off against the Chinese military and its far greater numbers. In a rare display of its drone capabilities, the National Chengshan Institute of Science and Technology highlighted its latest models. Among them, the Albatross 2 surveillance drone plus combat drones that operate with GPS satellites. He urged Taiwan's troops to learn to use the technology, calling the drones quite advanced.
1: Bold use is one of the options available to us.
0: Beijing has ramped up military activity near the island in recent years. It claims the island as part of its territory, though the Chinese Communist Party has never ruled Taiwan and has threatened to take it over without renouncing the use of force. U.S. auto giant Ford now stuck in Washington's crosshairs. It's investing over $3 billion in a new electric vehicle battery plant in Marshall, Michigan. The Great Lakes state is ready to pump over $600 million into the project. But the deal is coming under bipartisan scrutiny over its China ties. It's also facing local pushback. Here are the details.
3: New pushback on Ford's planned electric vehicle battery plant. Some state lawmakers are pushing against Michigan's over $600 million funding for the plant, approved in early March.
4: I don't even think it benefits your community. What this benefits is Ford. It benefits the partnership with China, with the Chinese Communist Party.
3: While supporters hailed the spending bill's passing.
2: It's the best economic news to South Central Michigan in my lifetime.
3: Ford is investing over $3 billion into the plant, and it's set to create over 2,500 jobs. So why the controversy here? Ford would source battery technology, equipment, and some workers from a Chinese company. This Chinese company called CATL makes three out of every 10 EV batteries in the world. It also supplies batteries to companies like Tesla and BMW. The Ford plant would mark CATL's entry into the U.S. market. In spite of its ties to the Chinese company, Ford's new plant is projected to get over $1 billion in tax credit under the Inflation Reduction Act. That's because a Ford subsidiary, an American company, would own the factory. But the deal is sparking bipartisan concerns. Virginia's Republican governor Glenn Youngkin dropped his state's bid for the factory, calling the project a Trojan horse for the Chinese Communist Party. Senator Joe Manchin, a Democrat, also expressed concerns. A spokesperson told Political that Manchin had been clear about his worries tied to vehicle supply chain reliance on China, adding that Ford has serious questions to answer before Senator Manchin can fully evaluate the business partnership. Right now, China controls 80 percent of the market share of lithium-ion batteries used in electric cars. NTD reached out to Ford for comment but did not receive a reply before airtime.
0: On Capitol Hill, Senator Marco Rubio is cornering Ford's deal. He's introducing a new bill. And if passed, Ford wouldn't be able to get U.S. tax credit for its new Michigan plant. The automaker is projected to get over $1 billion in tax credit for the project under the Inflation Reduction Act. Republicans on the House Energy and Commerce Committee are seeking a retraction from Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm and demanding that she testify immediately. Those requests after she praised the regime in China for its efforts to combat climate issues. She made the controversial comment during an interview last Friday for the 2023 South by Southwest Conference in Austin, Texas. Here's what she said. We can all learn from what China is doing to lessen its carbon footprint. What's more, she commended Beijing for being very sensitive on the climate issue and called its investments in clean energy encouraging. In a letter to her, GOP lawmakers said they were deeply troubled by her alarming remarks. They added that her words raised serious questions about her judgment and priorities as energy secretary. The letter went on to say her comments, quote, at best, reflected uninformed, unserious perspective on the goals and intentions of the Chinese Communist Party and its abysmal human rights and environmental record. The lawmakers pointed out that China poses one of the greatest threats to the U.S., while continuing to be one of the world's worst polluters. The Energy Department did not respond to a request for comment by Airtime. Japan is said to dump treated water from its Fukushima nuclear plant into the Pacific Ocean. A Chinese media outlet was quick to take a swipe at the plan. But that attempt quickly stalled after information came out that Chinese nuclear power plants release water even more polluted than the Japanese plant proposed. Here's more.
4: China is taking aim at nuclear waste discharge tied to Japan's Fukushima power plant. Twelve years ago, a massive earthquake and tsunami triggered a nuclear disaster at the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant. Water used to cool the damaged reactor is piling up in large quantities. Its operator TEPCO planned to release the over one million tons of filtered wastewater into the sea starting this year. Earlier this month, a Chinese newspaper denounced the move as irresponsible. Citing a written interview with the embassy of Japan in China, the report states, the embassy failed to clarify the impact of wastewater on fishing communities in neighboring countries. But Tokyo says the article is spinning the truth. The Embassy of Japan posted the full interview on in its Twitter account, saying it had specified the released water would be safe for both humans and the environment. Officials stressed a treatment method known as the Advanced Liquid Processing System, or ALPS. This system dilutes the level of tritium, a low-risk radioactive nuclear substance in the wastewater. After processing, its concentration reaches 1 40th of the level allowed for Japan's drinking water. In a further illustration, the embassy said this amount is far lower than China's tritium emissions in 2020. Of the four nuclear power plants along China's eastern coast, one released over four times more tritium than Fukushima, while the plant with the highest emissions totaled seven times higher.
0: Coming up, weather devices or tools for espionage. From a spy balloon to buoys, we zoom in on Chinese objects appearing around the United States
2: nothing's benign with the, the chinese communist party so i mean obviously so th- that data won't just support uh you know commercial interests down the road for a belt and road lane which they told us in 2017.
0: we hear from retired u.s navy captain and former director of intelligence for the u.s pacific fleet james finnell his comments and more after the break here on china in focus Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. While the Chinese spy balloon dominated recent headlines, it's not the only spy device China has sent over. Spy buoys have bobbed in the Arctic waters and a Chinese rocket fell apart over Texas. Here to help us understand what all this means is retired U.S. Navy captain and former director of intelligence for the U.S. Pacific Fleet James Fennell. Jim Fennell, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you back on the show.
2: Thanks, Tiffany, great to be with you.
0: So the Chinese spy balloon dominated headlines, but it seems there's been other spy devices that have also entered the US. So I wanna start with this rocket that delivered a military spy satellite that actually broke up over Texas and the debris fell down. So how should we read this and what was this rocket doing above Texas to begin with?
2: Well, the Chinese have been obviously launching a lot of satellites and rockets into space over the last decade, uh, and especially in this last decade, uh, sometimes 50 a year or more. And so there's a lot of stuff that goes up into the into the atmosphere, and the traje- trajectories are you know being tracked. It, it reflects what we see happening in mainland China, where a lot of these similar kinds of events, where Chinese rockets from the Strategic Rocket Force and their Space Force are breaking up. And falling down and and you know, killing people, killing Chinese people. So we have to be very concerned. The world should be very concerned that China is not really a responsible uh, player in the space game. It, at a minimum, I think that should be our our number one concern: is that they're not adhering to the same standards as the rest of the world has, and to ensure safety uh, when they launch uh, rockets and, and space vehicles and, and satellites and whatnot. But but to your point, though, we also have to be aware that, given this intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance efforts that the PRC has been conducting, more and more focused on the United States, uh, that we need to be aware of what these are. Was this a mis- was this a just a normal space launch that went awry, or was this something related to some other kind of uh, you know grand strategy that the Chinese have to use? Uh, their military resources to isolate or even attack the United States.
0: And Jim, to your point on all of these rockets breaking up, officials are pointing out that, you know, there needs to be, China needs to be following the international norms, especially when it comes to re-entry. But it seems, how do we solve that? Is it China not following the norms or is it the, the build of these aircraft? Is it just not well built?
2: I think it's a little bit of both, from my conversations with colleagues that follow space events pretty closely, is that their, their production uh, may not be to the same standards as the United States or European allies, uh, but it's also, I think, uh, uh, demonstrates um, the rapidity of which they're trying to get after building up their space force and their space program. So the faster you go at something, the more you may be willing to cut corners. And, uh, and we also know that, I mean, it just, it sounds harsh, but we s- seem to see that they're a little bit callous about the loss of life.
0: And if we continue on this like spy device trend, it seems even before the Chinese spy balloon entered the U.S. airspace, the Canadian military was actually noting these spy buoys that they found near the Arctic, you know, along their coast. What are these for? What was China doing with these?
2: Well, we know that China has, you know, as their sights set on being an Arctic member, an Arctic state participant, even though they have no (laughs) involvement with the Arctic, they've inserted themselves into the Arctic Council to be an observer member, and they're trying to get a position there, which for them they believe is they believe that the the world, you know, global warming, so therefore they think that there's going to be access through the Arctic to be able to transit uh, ships up there to carry supplies and, and goods to Europe uh, from China, instead of having to go all the way through the South China Sea, the Indian Ocean, Suez Canal, and into the Mediterranean, where you know things take much longer and are more at risk. So they want to be in the Arctic, and so having buoys up there, uh, at a minimum, is about their wanting to understand the Arctic environment, the sea environment. What's, what's the sea temperature? What's the sa- salinity? Uh, what's the, the the currents and things of that nature?
0: So, with that, is it just a benign reconnaissance, just trying to see, you know, pollution levels, or is there another side to this?
2: Nothing's benign with the the Chinese Communist Party. So, I mean, obviously, so th- that data won't just support, uh, you know, commercial interests down the road for a Belt and Road lane, which they told us in 2017. So whatever data they're gaining about the the maritime domain from these buoys, or from any other ISR sensor, intelligence surveillance and reconnaissance sensor, whether it's an aircraft, a submarine, a satellite, a human intelligence person, uh, anything, that will go into the PLA and help them in the missions and tasks that they've been given by Xi and previously by Hu, which is to be the strongest and biggest military in the earth by 2049.
0: And on that note, Jim, what is China's bigger goal then?
2: How should we read this? Well, they've told us their their goal is to displace the United States and be the world's power, superpower.
0: And Jim, when it comes to, say, the China threat, what should Americans understand about the Chinese regime?
2: We should understand that they're a totalitarian uh, dictatorship. And we just saw that the the National People's Congress was called the People's Congress, but it really was a rubber stamp of the National Party Congress that occurred last fall in uh, 2022, and where Xi Jinping was, you know, basically took control of the Chinese Communist Party for another term, and he now has just basically rubber stamped that and, and laid it over the state the, the, the People's Republic of China, that government, and now he has been elected, you saw the vote, he had 100% of the vote. I mean, it, that's the tell right there. Anyone that gets 100% of any vote, and it was almost 3,000 members to the National People's Congress, it, it just shows you the totalitarian nature of the regime. So that's that's kind of the regime in their, their nature. Their, and their ideology is to become the greatest power in the earth and to rule the rest of the world the same way they rule their own people, which is to have total control. And we watched that, and we've wat, been watching it for the last three years over the dynamic COVID zero-COVID policy, where no one could move around in their country without permission of the government. And that's what they want. And uh, we need to be resisting that, because that's slavery, and we don't want to live in that. I don't.
0: And Jim, on that note, for the concerned citizen who doesn't want to live the way Chinese people are right now, what should they be doing?
2: They should be, uh, you know, educating themselves on what China's doing. They should be aware of the the techniques that the Chinese government has instilled in China, especially during this last three years with the the COVID policies and procedures. And we should be aware of how that will expand outside of just the health care system. Where is it going to go next, into the banking system? Is it going to go into other things? Where do they seek to try to constrain people's movement and freedom and the ability to live an independent life? And, and so you have to stay educated, and then you have to support those in your country that are going to be willing to take a stand in, in the government at the local and the state and the federal level to say, well, we don't want to be part of that.
0: Jim Fennell, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you, Tiffany.
0: That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.